Saturday wasn't fun, and leaving Neyland Stadium and upon rewatch, I have a lot more questions than I have answers for. We're going to talk about it and uh, do all that here on a Monday, Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you, Monday morning, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Balls. It is your team every single day. Shout out every day. Thanks so much for making this show possible, making this show your first listen each and every day. And don't forget the mailbag edition of the show. That's tomorrow. So you every day are getting your questions, comments, and concerns. And uh, we'll have it out all on a Tuesday show. But here on a Monday, again, I'm going to go over some of my rewatch notes. A lot of questions I want to ask you guys and some stats and canter grades coming up. At the end of the show, Tennessee loses to, to Georgia. N- not not a good time. I recognize that thirty eight to t- thirty eight to ten. Um, I mean, I thought Tennessee would play better than what it did. I still thought Tennessee would lose by multiple uh, multiple scores. But just like I said on Saturday's postcast show, and if you haven't listened or watched Saturday's postcast show, we'll get a little bit of a rendition of it here today. But I encourage you to go back and check that out. Um, you know, it, it doesn't make it any easier for Tennessee fans, and I recognize that. Now you're sitting, uh, you need a win against Vanderbilt, who's lost, what, seven straight games? <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, you need a win against Vanderbilt to get to 8-4, and four, and I think that's very, very doable. But uh, the season's kind of kind of been disappointing here towards the latter half of the year, and I, and I get that. So even though you knew you were going to lose to Georgia, like I knew Tennessee was going to lose to Georgia, doesn't make it any easier for those watching. I recognize that. Um, I do have some questions and all that, but I, but first, some, some rewatch notes that I had after going back and looking at the game again. Uh, first, I do want to break down Jalen Wright's touchdown run. I mean, what a start for Tennessee. Couldn't envision a better start for Tennessee. And how many times have we said that this year? Tennessee is an excellent first drive, first quarter football team. It is. Uh, got a couple of stats I'm going to drop uh, at you here in a moment, but Jalen Wright, first play from scrimmage. This is the only scoring play <laughs> that I'm going to play because obviously I'm not going to play a field goal. Uh, but here's how it sounded, courtesy of the Vol Radio Network. I do have uh, written and verbal permission to use this clip, courtesy of the Vol Radio Network. 75 yards, Jalen Wright to the house on play number one from scrimmage in this football game. Milton gets the snap, hands it off, and a break up the middle. That's Jalen Wright. It's into the secondary. He's going to He's go out of here. Play number He's one. Touchdown, Tennessee. 75 yards. Tennessee wanted a quick strike. They get it from Jalen Wright. 75-yard sprint, and Tennessee leads Georgia 6 to nothing. So I wanted to start this, this episode off on a high note, and unfortunately for Tennessee, that was the only you know good note of, of the football game. But a really, really good play. Here's how it happened. You kind of break this down. If you go back and watch it, that's how it sounded, courtesy of the Ball Radio Network. Uh, Pat Ryan, of course, with the commentary. Bob Kessling with the play-by-play. Uh, first, they put in motion Jacob Ward going from right to left. That forces the star player, uh, Tyke Smith, the best defender on Georgia's team this year, to go because he's in man coverage and follows Smith. Uh, once uh, Jalen Wright kind of popped it up the middle right there, Smith, the defender, severely overran the play and took a really bad angle to try to get back and make the tackle. He missed the tackle. Uh, linebacker, C.J. Allen, he was caught just kind of staring in the backfield. No man's land. That allowed uh, Jeremiah Crawford to get up there and get his big paws on him at the second level of that defense. The other linebacker uh, went straight to the C-gap on the left side, and that's C.J. Allen, or that's Small Munden, completely took himself out of the play. Completely took himself out of the play. That three technique was handled by Javante Spragans and Cooper Mays. 
Uh, the, um, the the head-up nose shot to the left gap, and Ollie Lane took care of him. And so you had a hole there and a crease. Jay Wright gets up there, and, and then he has a little bend back in his run and just completely outruns Javon Bullard, a really good two-time All-American safety, and cornerback Kamari Lassiter, who's probably going to be a first-round pick. Um, really good play. And, and, you know, that is the second time this season that Tennessee has scored on play number one from scrimmage. If you remember Joe Milton against UTSA, that is the third time Jalen Wright has scored from 50-plus yards on the first possession of the game this season. You, you remember the other ones? I'll give you a second to think about it. Okay, long enough. Time's up. You got this game against Georgia, the Kentucky game, and the UConn game. Jalen Wright has both scored uh, from 50-plus yards in all three of those games on the first possession of the football game. So wanted to start things off with that because that was a really, really good start for Tennessee. Um, but, but again, it, it kind of went downhill from there. I mentioned on the postcast show the other night about the third downs, both offensively and defensively. Tennessee offensively, 2 of 11. But on on defense trying to stop Georgia, Georgia went 9 of 13. At one point in time, it was like 9 of 11. I mean, it was, it was incredible how efficient – Georgia was being in terms of converting on third downs and, and over at VolQuest.com on Sunday afternoon I kind of broke down each third down conversion and you know what went right what went wrong uh Bowers you know what was was the culprit on a couple of those and he's a really really good player you know the first one of the football game Andre Turrentine just needed to tighten up in man coverage he did not and that little bit of room allowed Bowers to have a first down catch Carson Beck ran for a couple of those, including the second third down conversion of eight yards. Later in the game, he ran for three yards and was just enough being mobile uh, and doing what he needs to do. Uh, Carson Beck again hit Brock Bowers uh, earlier in the first half. It was a bunch formation. It's one of those where the Leo, Roman Harrison, had to be standing up and kind of split the difference a little bit, and he gets a, a little bit of a pall on him. But, I mean, you got to take two hands and shove him off his route. Shove him off his route in third and four. Because all he does is run around a little hitch, go to the marker, turn around, and catch the football. Tennessee's in zone coverage. Linebacker's not quick enough to get over there. That's why you've really got to get hands on that collision. I'm talking football terms here, going back to college and high school. Collision that route and and and, and you know disrupt the timing. Roman Harrison couldn't do that. Brock Bowers, uh, you know, had, had a, t a first down reception. Uh, Carson Beck, you know, dumped it down to his running back Edwards on on just a simple safety on one of those third downs. Safety. Uh, Safety around on one of those third downs. Dylan Bell had a heck of a game. Of course, he threw the touchdown on the tailback pass. He was playing in place of Ladd McConkey. So all those snaps Ladd McConkey would have gotten in this football game, that was Dylan Bell. Carson Beck hit him over the middle of the field um, in a man coverage on one of those. There was another one to Dylan Bell completed, beating man coverage of Danico Slaughter, uh, you know, beating the throwing over top the blitz, and um, just a couple other runs. Uh, there was one completion to uh, – to Jackson Meeks down the sideline, and uh, he beat again to Nico Slaughter in man coverage. So uh, the third downs were a very, very big issue for Tennessee. And on a couple of these thirds down, it's just it's a matter of inches, guys. And Tennessee didn't do that, but because Georgia's so good, Georgia's a good football team, obviously Georgia will make you pay. Carson Beck was really good in this game. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and just continue to praise Georgia because the game's over with. But as I said last week, as I said on Saturday's postcast show, and I'll say it one more time right here, Georgia's the best team in the country. It's not even close. Georgia is getting better week by week. Georgia's getting healthier. Um, had Georgia fans jump in the comment section and say, what do you mean Georgia's getting healthier? Um, Amarius Mims is back. For the most part, Ladd McConkey's back. I think that was a precaution the other night. You know, we'll see. 
Um, Kendall Milton's back. Brock Bowers is back. Oh, yeah. Georgia's getting pretty healthy. <laughs> I understand everybody deals with inj- injuries. You know, Rutledge went down that football game. I get that. But Georgia's getting pretty pretty daggone healthy is what I would say. Um, but Carson Beck's just getting better, man. He would enter the game second in the SEC in passing. He finished on the night 24-30. That's 80% through the air. He was 4-5 or five for 25 yards and three touchdowns when he was under pressure in the football game. And when Tennessee blitzed, Tennessee blitzed 11 times. He was 11 for 11 against the Tennessee Blitz. Um, Carson Beck was really good. And a couple of those throws, I mean, there was that one third down throw that I kind of skimmed over. It was to um, Bell down the sideline, and Danico Slaughter was covering him perfectly. I mean, you couldn't draw it up any better. And the throw was just perfect, and the catch was perfect. And, and you're a cornerback, you're a defender in that in that situation. Like, I mean, what else can I do? Sometimes that's football. Carson Beck was good, and uh, Carson Beck is much better than Stetson Bennett, in my opinion, um, just from a physical makeup. But, uh, you know, we'll see if he gets the accolades that, that, that uh, Bennett did. But Carson Beck's a good quarterback. You look at Joe Milton's performance. It's a lot of the same that we've seen from Joe Milton this season. Um, 17 to 30, 57%, 147 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. You know, wasn't a really good good football game. He did not play well, in my opinion. Um, he completely missed Chaz Nimrod on a fourth and goal in the fourth quarter, threw a bullet. Sure, there could have been pass interference, but, I mean, he just threw a bullet where, in my opinion, if he would have ran, he could have walked in, you know, untouched for the touchdown. Uh, he missed a wide-open squirrel wide down the middle of the field in the seam. He missed a couple other throws. I didn't, I didn't jot down every single miss he did, but, I mean, I'm not trying to say that Joe Milton played good because he didn't, in my opinion, but... He also didn't get much help. Um, I noted a couple of these uh, passes that if the receivers could have helped him out a little bit, maybe it's a different ball game or a, li- a different story early on. Uh, first half, Tennessee takes a shot on first and 10. I love the call. Down to Ramel Keaton. And it was good coverage by, by Laster. I mentioned him, the cornerback earlier. Really good coverage. But, I mean, Keaton, make that catch, man. Make that catch. Make a play when you're down a couple of scores in the first half. Go make a play. Beautiful ball by Joe Milton. Ramel Keaton can't come down. Again, good defense. It was a good ball. You would just like to see your receiver make a play on that. Uh, Caleb Webb in the end zone. This ball kind of took him to the sideline, but it was that front corner of the end zone that the ball kind of took him towards the sideline, but it was only to where he could catch it. You throw it inside, maybe it's picked off potentially. Um, but, uh, man, you love. it would have been a nice catch. I'm not trying to say it was routine because it wasn't routine. But you'd love to see Caleb Webb make that catch. Make a play. I mean, your team's getting killed. Make a play, right? Make a play. Um, instead, Tennessee settles for a field goal. Tennessee did. Uh, there was a nice throw to uh, Chaz Nimrod over the middle to put Tennessee in field goal position before taking that shot. And then later in the game, there was a shot to Nimrod again in the end zone. And this one was a little bit underthrown, just slightly underthrown. But it's not a bad ball. Javon Buller just made a really good play on it. So, again, Joe Milton, I'm not trying to say that if, if these receivers made catches, that would say that, I mean, it would sure, it would change the stat line. But I don't think Joe Milton played a good football game. Um, I don't think his receivers helped him out an awful lot. And again, that's the same story we've been talking about all year long. It is. And, and the biggest difference in this year and last year, this year and other good teams, is your quarterback can overcome that or your receivers can overcome that and go make some plays. Go make some football plays. Tennessee's not making football plays. A lot of the same for Joe Milton. Routine balls that should be caught, caught you know, again, routine are not routine. And... You know, some some 50-50s that are not, are not going your way. And that's been the story of Tennessee's passing game all year long. So a lot of the same for Joe Milton in the passing game against Georgia. 
and Carson Beck was just really, really good. So, so some of my rewatch notes, uh, let me know what you think. Of course, I encourage you to go back and listen to the postcast. I had a lot more to say on the game Saturday night. We'll continue on talking about the game, and I got some questions for you guys. That is coming up next right here in segment number two of Locked On Balls. Do want to tell you about some friends that I have and a new proud sponsor of the show. That is listening.com. College students, listen up. There's an incredible app called Listening.com, which can take any academic paper, PDF, or class material and turn it into an audiobook. Man, I could have really, really used this back in college. It can read math equations, technical words, complicated documents. It knows to skip the citations, the footnotes, the references. It lets you jump straight to the chapter or the section you want to listen to. It even has a one-click note-taking button where it automatically puts the last 10 seconds into a notepad so you don't have to type those notes while you listen. And best of all, if you send the link or if you go... Um, Hit on the link of listening.com slash locked on, listening.com slash locked on. You'll be able to get your first three weeks for free. So go ahead and give it a try. It's usually just two weeks, but locked on listeners here, locked on balls. If you put in locked on or listening.com slash locked on, you're going to get an extra week for free. So that's three weeks for free at listening.com slash locked on. Boy, I really could have used this and all that schooling that I did. I was, uh, Took a couple of victory laps in college. I did get two degrees. I want to throw that in there. But I could have really used this at listening.com, and I hope it helps you guys. Now, we have a lot of college students listening. Check it out, guys. Listening.com slash locked on. All right, guys. Welcome back into your Monday edition of Locked On Balls. Appreciate you being here. I know it's tough coming off a loss. It's been a rough two weeks. I get that. Uh, but but your your attendance, your attendance here on the Monday morning Lockdown Vols, can't thank you enough. Everydayers, you take over the show tomorrow. Those mailbag questions, at underscore Kaner and at Lockdown Vols. Let me have those questions. Typically, I record uh, mid-afternoon on Mondays. So um, if, if you guys want to make sure to ensure your question gets in, I would encourage you to do it now while you're listening, if it's before that time. And uh, hey, we got a big uh, YouTube subscription push uh, from over the weekend. Can't thank you enough from that. We jumped up about 70 over the weekend. Um, we're still a little over 200 away. The goal is to get that by Vanderbilt. It's a tall task. Push to 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. Help me out, guys. I really, really do appreciate that. All right, back to business. Some questions that I have. How big is that gap? You remember back in 2020, whenever Tennessee just got done losing to, I think it was Alabama that year, and Jeremy Pruitt was asking this post-game Zoom press conference, do you think you're, cl you're, you're closing the gap? I mean, it was another blowout loss. And Jeremy Pruitt said, oh, absolutely, we're closing the gap, we're closing the gap, when clearly you weren't. The play on the field wasn't there. At the time, recruiting was, but, you know, obviously uh, there were some uh, violations there. <laughs> um, so I want to ask you guys this here as we enter, you know, the final week of the regular season, year three under the rebuild, where's that gap? I get it. There's turnover in college. Uh, there's transition in college. I mean, if you're lucky nowadays, you'll get to keep a player for four years without going to the transfer portal or whatever. Um, there's some players right now taking a couple victory laps because of the COVID year. It's an interesting time, but uh, there's always constant turnover, and that's why it's kind of exciting, and it's always interesting, um, and it, why it's so impressive when you look at what Georgia and, and what Clemson did and what Alabama's done and, of course, what Georgia's doing right now. But to those teams, Clemson aside right now, um, because it's kind of on the on you know from where it was, it's taken a step back. You know, where is that gap? You beat Alabama last year. You beat Florida last year. You lost all three in year one, and you lost all three here in year three. Um, I think Tennessee's continuing to go in the right direction. Coaching's been 
puzzling at times this year. And I can't wait to get into this. I'm not going to take the last week of the regular season for granted because I love football so much. I'm going to miss it. I know we got a bowl game coming up, but I can't wait to get into some of this offseason content when we dive into the numbers and tell you just truly how different this year offensively has been for Josh Heupel. Because it's it's an anomaly right now. It's a unicorn. It's different um, and not in a good way. And, and so I recognize all this. Um, I, I see all the success that happened last year. But but then you kind of took a step back. You went over three against those those big three this year. I think Tennessee's heading in the right direction. I do. But I think that Saturday was a, a perfect example, of just showing you you're not close to Georgia yet. And it's not just Tennessee. I mean, there are teams all across the country, all across the Southeastern Conference, that is not close to Georgia right now. Georgia's the standard right now. Scream with crop. And you saw on Saturday how routine. Georgia made Tennessee look and how routine that football game was for Georgia. Wasn't a whole lot of explosive play, just nickel and dime, nickel and dime, nickel and dime. Uh, they, they had one bust on play number one from scrimmage defensively, and after that they had guys flying all over the place, flying all over the place. So I do think that gap is closing a little bit, and how could it not after what happened last year? So I'm not going to – this is not a 2020 – Jeremy Pruitt response when asked the question, okay, because back then you had nothing to show for it. Your canvas was blank. Your canvas now, you've got some things on it. And so I'm not just going to forget and pretend that last year didn't happen because it did. So you are closing that gap, but you still got a long way to go. And and that's how I kind of see that. Would love, would love for you to ch- uh, chime in on that. Uh, that can be a part of the, the the mailbag edition of the show. It can be a statement if you want to, at underscore Kaner at Lockdown Balls. I said this Saturday night, and I'm going to be brief here because I don't want to spend much time on it. The fact that Gerald Mincy came in and played in the fourth quarter uh, after the injury to Dane Davis, it's pitiful. It's absolutely pitiful. You mean to tell me that a guy's not healthy enough to play? He's a starting right tackle. He's not healthy enough to play, but he is dressed in full, goes through warm-ups, and is available in case of emergency. We've seen that. That's not completely unheard of, okay? John Campbell did the same thing on the other side. But when you're down four touchdowns in the fourth quarter and getting your brains beat in, that doesn't qualify as an emergency in my case. The fact that Gerald Mincy went in and played the last little bit of series in that game or whatever, just a bad look in my opinion. It's a bad look on Tennessee's coaches. It's a bad look for Gerald Mincy in my opinion. Is what it is. I thought that was kind of pathetic, and I'll leave it at that. Um... Kind of brings us to our next thing, man. That offensive line, injuries across the board, that's football. Game's not going to feel sorry for you. Josh Heupel said that so many times on Saturday. But did you see the offensive line there towards the end of the game, uh, what Tennessee was working with, again, because of injury? So Mincy and and Campbell didn't start the football game because, obviously, um, you know they've been banged up, and they have been banged up. I'm not trying to say that they're not. They have been banged up, but they didn't start the game. We're available in case of emergencies. So your starting offensive line from left to right was Jeremiah Crawford, who's been a part-time starter. Um, Ollie Lane, who's started every game this year, and he's really coming into his own. Cooper Mays, Javonta Spragans, Dane Davis. Dane Davis played a lot of football for you. Ollie Lane's played a lot of football for you. Jeremiah Crawford's playing a lot of football for you. So is it best-case scenario? No. But is it like panic mode? In my opinion, no, it's not. Um, especially on the right. I mean, I got more faith in, in Dane Davis than I do Jeremiah Crawford to tackle right now if I'm being completely honest. Now, and that's just so weird because Crawford has started so many games in this in this uh, league for Tennessee. But as the game went on, you saw Jer- uh, Javante Spragans got hurt. You brought in Jackson Lampley. 
Uh, Dane Davis got hurt. <laughs> your backup right tackle got hurt. And then, of course, you had to play some with your starting right tackle. My point is, that offensive line is beat up right now. Tennessee was playing a walk-on at star all game long. Why? Because your, your starter, Tamari McDonald, thought he was going to give it a go, was in warm-ups, dressed out, ready to go, and then, you know, the warm-ups didn't go the way they wanted to, so he didn't. he was ruled out for the game. That happens, okay. So your backup star is Jordan Thomas. And Jordan Thomas, young, promising young player, love to see him. Snap three, gets hurt. And then you bring in a walk-on at Will Brooks, who, again, at times, he looked like a walk-on. He also held his own. He knows what he's doing, and he's not a bad football player. I mean, you wouldn't be put in that position to play in a football game if you weren't a bad football player, So if you were a bad football player. So shout-out Will Brooks. Um, again, you did... You did a lot. You, you did a lot of good. You did some bad. You held your own, in my opinion. I thought Andre Turnton held his own. Were they perfect? Heck no. <laughs> Nobody was. And Carson Beck made you not perfect. But um, you know Tennessee played a played a walk on a star pretty much the entire game. I don't know why Brandon Turner didn't play that position. He's played star before. Uh, is what it is. Um, Oh, Turrenton at safety. Of course, you know, you've dealt with injuries at cornerback all year long. You don't have Keenan Peely. I mean, Aaron Beasley's a bit banged up. I mean, there's injuries all over the place, and the game's not going to feel sorry for you. How healthy is this football team, and who's going to be available to play against Vanderbilt? Need to get healthy. Need to get healthy. A couple more here. Jalen Wright. (laughs) Jalen Wright touches the ball and goes 75 yards to the house on play number one, right? He touched the football the first time on the very next possession, and then he did not touch the football again until the final possession of the first half. He ended the first half with four touches. Inexcusable. I get it. Jabari Small's done a lot for you, and I recognize that. And Jabari Small kind of ran well yesterday, and I like playing multiple backs. Dylan Sampson's fun. I want to see Dylan Sampson in the game. I, I, I'm not trying to take anything away from those two guys because they've done a lot, and they've done a lot this year. But point being, Jalen Wright is a game-breaker right now. Why on earth, why on earth are you not giving him the football more? It's ridiculous. Here's some stats here. Get a load of this nonsense. Get a load of this nonsense, all right? Hmm. For the season, Jalen Wright doesn't have a game where he has double-digit first-half carries. And for the year, Wright's game high for carries is 19 against Texas A&M. Since then, Wright hasn't had a workload higher than 11 carries, and in that span, he has first-drive touchdown runs of 52, 82, and 75 yards. Again, I understand you have three backs that you like and, and needs to play, and they deserve to play, but there's no reason why you go away from your bell cow all-star running back, especially when he's hot. I just don't get that. One other thing I want to drop at you, and then uh, we're going to get into uh, grades and... Uh, and um, stats here to end the show. One other thing I want to drop at you. It's not a good stat, but here it is. In SEC play this year, Tennessee has been outscored in the second half 90-39 to and have been shut out in the second half three times. They have three second-half offensive touchdowns in seven SEC games. Let that sink in for a moment. In second halves of SEC games, seven games... Two quarters in each half, so 14 quarters in the back half of SEC football games. Tennessee has been outscored 90-39. to They've been shut out three times, have three second-half offensive touchdowns in seven games. Oh, my God, that's bad. 
when you break it down like that, it's truly, truly remarkable. Uh, Jacob Warren had a second half touchdown against USC, uh, South Carolina. Brew had a second touchdown against Florida. Sampson had a second half touchdown against Kentucky. And Warren all, or Sampson also had a second half touchdown against South Carolina. Just not been the second half football team. And again, we'll get into more of that in the offseason, but I just wanted to bring that on the show because that is just just mind-blowing. Uh, stats and canter grades, spoilers, not going to be good on my grading sheet, as you'd expect, but a couple stats that I noticed here from the PDF stat sheet. That and more is coming up next right here on Locked On Balls. Do you want to tell you about a proud sponsor of the show? That is FanDuel. New customers, $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. Let me say that again. Listen to this. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That ain't bad. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than doing it right now. Why? Because you've got the NFL season. Proud sponsor of the NFL, that's FanDuel. you got college football ending the regular season, about to get into conference championship Saturday, and then into bowl season. So much fun there. You've got college basketball starting. Got the Maui Invitational this week. Can't wait to see what Tennessee does there early mornings, right? You might be listening to this, and Tennessee's playing right now, 930 tip Eastern time on a Monday morning. Um, you've got the NBA. You've got the NHL. You've got so much going on right now. And then all these games, you can check out the spreads. You can check out the totals, overs, unders. We believe in overs here on Lockdown Vols, plus player props, where if you're new, it's something fun and engaging and super easy to do by taking a look at those player props. All that and more is at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn for $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Final segment here on a Monday edition of Lockdown Balls. Appreciate you guys for being here. We got to be quick because I've been talking. I've been preaching here on a Monday morning. Hope you guys have enjoyed it. Um, just th- taking a look at the stat sheets. Of course, Tennessee uh, started off hot. 75-yard touchdown run from Jalen Wright. You know what? Let's just we need a, we need to pick me up here. Let's we've already heard it. Let's hear it again. Courtesy of the Vol Radio Network. This is how Tennessee started the game against number one Georgia. Milton. Gets the snap, hands it off, and a break up the middle. That's Jalen Wright. It's into the secondary. He's going to He's go out of here. And play number one. Touchdown, Tennessee. 75 yards. Tennessee wanted a quick strike. They get it from Jalen Wright. 75-yard sprint, and Tennessee leads Georgia 6 to nothing. Again, that's courtesy of the Vol Radio Network. I, I just wanted to kind of get back into playing that because, well, um, you know, we need to pick me up here on a Monday because the last two weeks have just been brutal. Having said that, let's get into stats and then my my grades here in a moment. Tennessee um, overall had 277 yards of offense on 55 plays, averaging 5.0 yards per play. Uh, Georgia had 472 yards of total offense. Again, just methodical down the field, down the field, third downs, third downs. They were 9 of 13 on third downs on this football game at 1.9 of 11. That's why you get to just chip it away, chip it away, dominate the time of possession. (laughs) And Tennessee's never going to win the time of possession. That's just the nature of the offense. But you never want to be dominated like this. 40 minutes and 58 seconds, how much Georgia possessed the football. 19 minutes and 2 seconds is how much Tennessee possessed the football. 
Goodness gracious. Uh, Tennessee threw for 147 yards. Georgia threw for, 300, threw for 316. Tennessee ran for 130. Okay, at least you had some semblance of a run game. Not up to Tennessee's average, but some semblance of a run game against Georgia. Georgia ran for 156. Because Georgia was able to pick up third downs, because Georgia was able to stay on the field for so long, 27 first downs in this football game for Georgia. Tennessee only had 13 first downs. Not great. Uh, let's get into some individual work, shall we? Well, uh, Tennessee's Joe Milton, 17 of 30, 147 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. He was sacked one time. And that sack, that was when Dane Davis went, or that was when Javante Spragans went down. You brought in Jackson Lampley. Really smart, really smart by Kirby Smart. Uh, whatever the other guy, Schumann and um, and Will Muschamp, a defensive staff at Georgia, saying, okay, you got a new right guard in there? Let's dial it up and go after him. They brought the right in, Walker. They brought the right in and looped him all the way around. So Lampley looked. He had a technique, went in there, was blocking inside, inside. His, his attention was on the inside technique. They took the opposite end and looped him all the way back around, and he went right off the hip pocket of Lampley and went and sacked Joe Melton. Um, again, sure, it's a minus on Jackson Lampley, but I mean, that's just a really smart play call by Georgia uh, to attack, you know, a new offensive lineman in the game. So anyway, Milton was sacked once, running running game. <laughs> Jalen Rod had 75 yards on his first carry, ended with nine, 90 yards on the game overall. He's just a couple away from 1,000. That will be a major storyline this week. Jabari Small, six, six attempts, 25 yards, 4.2 yards per carry. He had a really nice run of 11 yards. Uh, a little shimmy at the second level that I liked. Um, Squirrel White led Tennessee in receiving 45 yards off five catches. He was targeted 12 times in this football game. Uh, Chaz Nimrod, who I thought played well. I do think Chaz Nimrod played well. Five receptions, seven targets, 44 yards. Um, you know, those are the highlights. Jackson Ross, he didn't have the great day punting, but he did punt six times, averaging 40 yards. Uh, let's, let's look at, again, Georgia real quick. Um, Carson Beck, 24-30, completed 80% of his passes, 298 through the air, three touchdowns. Dylan Bell, a little halfback pass, but he plays wide receiver, but he lined up at halfback. Uh, one for one, 18-yard touchdown. Let's see here, rushing. Kendall Milton, 66 yards on 14 attempts. Edwards, 34 yards and 11 attempts. So, really, overall, Tennessee did a pretty good job against the run. Um, honestly, it's just... You know, a chunk play by Arian Smith on the end of round. One carry, 33 yards. Um, you know, just stuff like that that just kind of hurts you. Uh, you got defensively, it wasn't pretty for Tennessee, as you'd expect. Only one sack and four tackles behind the line of scrimmage. So only four negative plays in this football game. Just couldn't get any pressure on Carson Beck. And as a result, he picked Tennessee apart. We've seen this story before. Georgia only had one sack and only had three TFLs either. But again, when you're winning 38 to 10, who cares, right? Uh, Tennessee was led in tackles by Danico Slaughter with 11, but I did not think that he played uh, his best football game. They worked Danico Slaughter all game long. Uh, did Georgia, did Carson Beck. Uh, Will Brooks, again, who came in and played all but three defensive snaps. He finished with six tackles. And, um, you know, I don't think I yeah. – all right, let me pull up pro football focus real quick. Um, Will Brooks, again, didn't play a great game. I'm not trying to say he did. He actually had a grade of 53.7, according to Pro Football Focus. But um, he had seven tackles, according to Pro Football Focus. He only had one missed tackle in coverage. Let's see here. He was targeted four times, gave up two receptions for 12 yards. So, again, I mean, I, I thought Will Brooks held his own. I truly, truly did. I thought Will Brooks held his own. But, unfortunately, Tennessee's 
team. Tennessee's defense did not. Uh, grades here, short and sweet is what it is. You lose 38-10. to 10. Your quarterback, D. All right? Yes, I went down and I, I, I broke down some of those plays to where if Keaton could make a play, if, if Webb could make a play, um, if some of these guys could, could haul in a, one of those deep balls, if Nimrod could make a play in the end zone there on the ball that was slightly underthrown, that stat line looks different. Maybe the game plays out differently, potentially. But at the end of the day, too many routine throws you're missing on. And, and again, it just really shows you that you've got to have good quarterback play to win in this league. And, and Tennessee hasn't had the above-average quarterback play. Um, Milton's done a lot of good things this year. He's done a lot of bad things. He's done some bad things. He's been pretty average at the end of the day. And in a game like this, average won't be good enough. You've got to be exceptional. And Milton, and, no, and nobody else was, again, but I'm talking about the quarterback position here. The quarterback gets a D. Running backs get a B. Again, kind of a non-factor after that first uh, Jalen Wright run. But, again, I thought Small ran pretty hard. Um, I wish they would have gave the football to Jalen Wright a lot more. No fumbles, no turnovers. Um, you know, for, for how they were used, I think they did pretty well. I'll give the running backs a B. Tight ends, I'll give a C because you had a hand in, in, in run blocking. Um I think McCallum Castles had one drop in this football game, but I mean, really, the, the whole passing game is just not very good. Wide receivers get a D as well. Some of those, I mean, Squirrel was overthrown. Um, Nimrod was underthrown. I mean, the, the, again, so the operation, your quarterback didn't help you on some of those. But again, I just continue to go back. Man, if you're playing the number one team in the country and, and you're down a couple scores, go make a freaking play. And, and there's nobody at wide receiver that's making plays to try to pick up a quarterback or pick up an offense. And that's my biggest issue, I think. Uh, wide receivers get a D. Offensive line get a C. Um, according to Pro Football Focus, Georgia had eight hurries on Joe Milton. Uh, no hits, only one sack. Uh, for the most part, I thought Tennessee's offensive line did okay. Not great, not horrible. So Tennessee's offensive line will get a C. Uh, defensive line gets a D. Not making it any, any difficult on Carson Beck. Truly, not making it difficult on Carson Beck whatsoever. Linebackers get a C-. minus. Not making it difficult on Carson Beck, missing some tackles, overrunning some plays. Um, not as bad as at Missouri, certainly not as bad as at Missouri, but not good in this football game. Defensive backs get a D. Danico Slaughter unfortunately got worked over a little bit, and he was not the only one. Special teams gets a B minus. Instead of going for it on fourth down, down four scores in the second half, you elect to chase points. Oh. And you miss a 55 yard field goal, is what it is. Again, I thought Jackson Ross was okay. Um, you know, special teams going to get a B minus. Certainly, it wasn't wasn't a factor in this game. And then coaching is going to get a D in this game. Um, I just I, I I I don't think Tennessee. I think Tennessee knew what was going to happen. But like the coaching staff, I think Tennessee's coaching staff kind of knew what was going to happen. You know, before it happened, right? I mean, knew knew what you were up against, right? Um, but again, I don't I don't agree with some of those calls there to chase points in the fourth quarter. Uh, didn't think you mixed up coverage as well in the back end an awful lot. Some personnel questions, the running back rotation. Again, just a combination of all things. At the end of the day, Georgia's going to beat you. But um, some things that contributed to the score, in my opinion. Not a good football game. Here's to hoping Tennessee finishes on a high note in these grades. Can be much, much joyfuler. Be more joyful. Lur, lur, joy, be a joy to talk about. There you go. Be a joy to talk about this time next Monday. And uh, we'll have to see. Tennessee and Vanderbilt, that's coming up this week on Saturday after Thanksgiving. We'll continue to look back at Georgia. We will answer your questions. We'll preview Vanderbilt. 
all that as the week goes on. But don't forget, mailbag edition of the show, that happens tomorrow. Get in your questions. DMs are open. Slide on in. Tweet me. I bookmark them at underscore Kaner and at Lockdown Balls. Appreciate you guys as always. Thank you so much. Push to 10K on YouTube. If you haven't already, please subscribe. And we'll see you again here tomorrow. This is Lockdown Balls.